It's Gamble. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. We're back to react to the first full squad workouts for the Arizona Diamondbacks and tell you some guys we're keeping an eye on in camp, starting at 2 on Arizona Sports. It starts with I don't know why. Uh, just when you thought the Arizona Diamondbacks didn't have any more roster space, they go out and get Randall Grichuk as well. So now you've got another right-handed bat. You've got, look, I'm sure if Mike Hazen was here, I always hear the Mike Hazen voice when we talk about this roster. Wolf, like he's just going to call in and be like, no, no. But I'm sure if Mike Hazen was here, he'd say, my job's never done. And that's true as a GM of a team, especially a contending team. But, man, you got to feel pretty good about this roster going into spring training, at least. You already did, and now you add another bat. And Look, do I expect Randall Grichuk to go to the All-Star game this year? No, but he's he has a pretty clear role on this team, at least. Yeah, you know, once again, it's just it's the depth right now, the depth that the Diamondbacks kind of struggled with last season a little bit. And I think that is one of the things that Mike Hazen has addressed coming into this season in a big, big way. And who knows? They might not be done. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure over the course of the season they're not done. Who knows? Like you just said, maybe somebody becomes available <laughs> a week into spring training. But if they are done, um, even if they're not, if they don't like, haven't decided that they're done. But if if this is it now until the season starts, feel pretty good about this. You bring in a guy that hit 328 against left-handed pitching uh, last year in Gritchuk. And again, this guy is he's he's way down your your depth chart, and you still you have a guy that's another come in. option for Tony. yeah. I mean, if you you can see, and you, you know, injuries are going to happen as well, Luke. Absolutely, they always do. And, and you know how much Tori likes to have options yes. and versatility. Yes. And and this, to me, I know I know none of the games have been played yet. Nothing is guaranteed. This is all on paper. But them going to the World Series last year and then doing what they've done this offseason is like exhibit A of why you want your manager or your coach, depending on the sport, and your general manager in lockstep. Yep. And Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen are and have been in lockstep. It's why this team is in a good spot. Yeah, this team really is in a good spot, especially when you start looking at some of the position battles going into spring training, right? <laughs> you know, it just, Basinonians win, you know, who's your backup catcher going to be? <laughs> That's one of the big question marks, one of the position battles going into spring training. Who's your bat? Jose Herrera? Is that who it's going to be? Seems you like know, it. <laughs> it. It seems like that, but backup infielder. Our website had these five... Uh, position battles going into spring training. Backup catcher, backup infielder, fifth outfielder, fifth starting pitcher, bullpen spots. Boy, does that sound good to you? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It's not like, hey, who's going to back cleanup? We need a cleanup hitter, you know? Right. We'd really help if we had somebody that could, like, steal bases and play center Boy, field. Right. Who, who's the catcher going to be? Really wish we had a number two starting pitcher. Yeah, you know, this is... um. This is really, really encouraging stuff when you stop and think about it because this is the way it ought to be. Hey, listen, you know, that fifth starter in our rotation, it's going to be a little crazy. Might get a little wild. Um, unlike going in saying, hey, you know what, we got um, we got the first two guys covered in the rotation. And, you know, Brandon Fott might come around, might not come around. And, you know, we'll see what happens after that. Boy, it feels good to go into this spring going, 
you know what, man, who's the fifth guy in the rotation going to be? That, that's what you want to see, right? You're, there, there's got to be some question marks for your team going into spring training, right? Boy, your fifth starter, I'll take that, that one. That's, to have that basically be your biggest question, I mean, I guess backup catcher maybe, but but uh, but but fifth starter, those are probably your two biggest questions. Other than, like, how how are you going to move the pieces around in the outfield? How are you going to manage that and get that game? But I, there's no question of, like, can they – can they pull an outfielder out of thin air because they don't have enough? They have plenty, and they also have more down on the farm, by the way, if they have to go to that point over the course of the season. Needing a, a fifth starter is it's a good balance because you've got guys like Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson. We actually talked to them both last week on the show. You've got a couple others, too, in the mix for it. It's nice to have that competition and kind of see what that brings out of these young guys, but also... There's a big difference between, hey, we got like maybe four guys realistically competing for our fifth starting spot behind three like established veteran, really good to great pitchers and Brandon Fott, who might have a higher upside than any of them someday. Um, it's nice to have that as opposed to like, yeah, we've got like five or six guys competing for the number three, four, and yeah. five spot in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. So this feels right, doesn't it, Basin? It feels right going into the spring. Man, that fifth starter. Who's going to be that fifth starter right now? And wouldn't you like it to be a young guy? Wouldn't you love it to be a young guy? You know, you, you've got Ryan Nelson. you got Tommy Henry. And Tommy Henry, I, I'm, I'm, I, I got to admit, I'm a little biased when it comes to Tom, Tommy Henry. We, we had a great conversation with a guy, kind of rooting for Tommy Henry yeah. to be that fifth guy right there. And another left-hander, I might say. As well, so to me, and and then you you think of Ryan Nelson, of course, and Slade Sacconi, Christian Mena, there those guys, man, it's just kind of cool to see this competition where every start is going to be interesting for these guys in the spring, trying to fight for that rotation spot. I was trying to figure out even just, I mean, over the I course of that. the season, a lot of these guys are going to start because you had. Trying to count live on the eight. 14 different guys start games last year for the Diamondbacks. 14 different pitchers start games. Yes. So over the course of the season, chances are Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry and some of these other guys are going to start significant amounts of games for you, you know, whether that's, you know, eight or nine games or whatever. So um, that's certainly that's certainly something. And I'll tell you the other thing. And though, I think Wolf, a lot of that, though, just to your point right there, a lot of that is because of the Diamondbacks looking for pitchers, they were trying a lot of different arms yeah. out there, you know, to see who might actually get a little bit of traction in that rotation. So you can understand why it is. And now all of a sudden they're going in and they're going into the spring going, man, we got our, our four guys down. Now we're going to get that fifth guy in the rotation. It's open. I, this is this is exactly the way you want it, as far as I'm concerned. All of these position battles that we're talking about, bullpen spots, backup catcher, backup infielders. I, man, isn't it great? We never even <laughs> got to my biggest question among all this of where does Jordan Lawler fit? You know what I mean? Because if he starts playing to his potential, you're going to have to fit him somewhere. That's that is I mean, that's an unknown. That's one of those questions. Every time we have a guest on and I ask them, it's because I genuinely don't know the answer. And they're not going to either because they don't. If Jordan Lawler isn't ready yet. OK, they've got they've already got options there. But if Jordan Lawler's like starts knocking on the door and he's like, hey, 
You remember when I was one of the top prospects in baseball, like last year? Yeah. Now I'm ready. <laughs> You're going to have to find room for him. Uh, all right, when we come back, hey, what would you think of NBA All-Star Weekend? Uh, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Bernsey, and we're back after the three-day weekend to talk about the monstrous performances by Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and the rest of the West All-Stars. Well, not really, but we'll give you our thoughts on how they did coming up on today's Burns and Gambo show. All right, the NBA All-Star game was this weekend. Kevin Durant played, what, 25 minutes? 18 points. KD. Uh, Devin Booker played 19 minutes at 15 points. KD was running and gunning. KD had five rebounds, five assists in this one uh, at two. But um, the game overall, Wolf, 397 points scored in the game. Brutal. The Eastern Conference became the first team to ever put up 200 in an All-Star game. They didn't stop there. They got to 211. Um, I don't usually go down this path. I mean, every year. Every year people are like, oh, you know, there's not enough defense in the All-Star game. Okay, well. Yes. I think we've crossed the line at this point. <laughs> Anybody that watched that game, like I watched because I wanted to see uh, Booker and KD. Yeah. And, and I found myself thinking, like, if they weren't here, would I be watching any of this? And so I watched a little bit more. It's just kind of cool to see how some of the best players in the league that don't normally play on the same team interact. But it was a tough watch beyond that. It really was because it's just kind of, it was basically like warm-up drills. That's It was like a layup line. It was. And it's very, very difficult to watch this. We all understand. You know, you don't want to challenge some guy. You don't want to go out there and, and play some serious basketball and a guy rolls his ankle, tweaks his knee, whatever it may be, because you're playing hard. We... We all kind of understand that, yet at the same time, you know, at some point you've got to resemble the game, right? <laughs> you got to go out there and, and try to offer some type of resistance. 211 points. The Eastern Conference set the record at 211 points. Of course, Dame Lillard went off in this game. It was really fun to see Dame Lillard hit the half-court shot. Yeah. So that was really, really cool he, like, to see he, him do that. He reannounced himself to the league this weekend. <laughs> he was like, hey, I know I'm on Milwaukee, and I haven't really been myself this year, but here's a three-point championship, and I'm just going to take shots from half-court and make them during the game. Yes, that was kind of cool right there. But um, for me... The 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 fact that it was one hundred four eighty nine at the half, I, I was grabbing the remote. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> dang, 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 dang. You know, now I came back to it, of course, but I was grabbing the remote. It was boring as all get out. I remember. I mean, every year, every year, there's the ah, oh, there's those defense and there's too much scoring. So here's the scoring from the last couple of years in this game. All right, twenty twenty three hundred twelve points between the two teams. <laughs> 2021, 320 points. I distinctly remember people in 2021 like, this is ridiculous. 320 points? Why am I watching this? 320, okay? Remember that number. Uh, 2022, 323 points. They're kind of creeping up. Last year, 359. Such a ridiculous number that Vegas had the over-under for this game uh, over the weekend at 356.5 points. And people were like, okay, okay. Like, 2023 was stupid. It's not going to happen again. They're not going to hit 356 points. 397. Think about that. So now what? Four hundred? Can I get a four? Can we start with a four hundred? That that day is coming. It's coming. Yeah. If if this is going to continue, look. The I'm not going to lie. The best part of the All Star Game to me was when 
the first quarter expired. And watching Devin Booker grab the rebound, it was a half-court shot, mm-hmm. grab the rebound with time expired, took the ball and windmill slammed it yeah. with his left hand. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> That's what I got up. I was like, <laughs> Book! That was awesome right there, right? I mean, it was so cool. He grabbed the ball and windmilled the, 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 oh, it was so cool to see that man with his left hand right there. And then, um, it got me thinking as you were watching Carl Anthony Towns in the dunk fest that he put on, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, scored 50 in the process. Yes, 50 in a loss. 50 in a loss. 50 in a 25 point loss. Um, but he was just constantly taking the ball to the hole and slamming it. And it made me think, man, wow. Maybe that's what they ought to take and, and and how they ought to judge the dunk contest from this point forward. Because the dunk contest, it, it's seen its day, it's, it's, hasn't it? Yeah, it's jump the shark. It, it's jump the yeah. shark. Which that's I a hate great way of putting it. Because I, I used to love it growing up, but inevitably there's a certain point where there's only so many dunks that can be done that haven't been done. Um, and it seems like only Mac McClung can do them now for some reason. But it, it's just... It's a lot of missed dunks. It's typically, I mean, Jalen Brown being involved this year, but it's typically guys that don't really play a ton during the regular season. Like, it's just, it's not what it was even, let's say, eight, nine, ten years ago. The three-point shootout, to me, is is the best part of the weekend because there's no there's no judging. There's no, like, it, it, this is what it is, right? Here, you're going to take, what does it end up being now, 27 shots, and you, whoever makes the most is going to win. Like, there was some drama with that. Um, as far as the game, here's Brian Windhorst said one person that's not real happy is uh, the guy who runs the league. Well, let me tell you who was turned off. The commissioner, Adam Silver, who went through the postgame trophy presentation, if you want to call it that, with a lot of vinegar in his voice. He really made some changes to this event that he thought was going to get the players to show more uh, competitive spirit. He even kind of quasi-promised it on Saturday night in his annual address with the media, thinking that the changes and the conversations he had would lead to improvement. And that did not happen. And, you know, the players this year have sort of been asked three things. One, to not rest as much for national television televised games. And that came with financial penalties to teams that didn't comply. That, for the most part, has happened. And there's been a couple of fines given out. Two, for the players to care about the in-season tournament, which came with a $500,000 bonus for winning. And that worked. And the players talked about the money the whole time. And then three, this all-star improvement, which came with no financial incentive. And you see the result. (laughs) There it is right there. Yes. That sums it up, right? Yeah, that did right there. It kind of summed it up. Uh, But maybe I was thinking too, um, you know, maybe they could take the dunk contest, do away with it. Because again, I think it's seen its better day. It's it's over with now. We've seen it all for the most part. I I don't think, you know, bringing props in, I I don't want to see that. You can only, I mean... Mac McClung jumping over Shaq to dunk. That was cool. But, I mean, was it worth watching for an hour for that? What if during the All-Star game itself, um, you you give out the dunk contest to anybody that is out there slamming it? Yeah. Anyone who's out there like Carl Anthony Towns was and all the different dunks he was... (laughs) That's kind of a brilliant idea. Well, why not do that? I kind of like that. Because one of the biggest problems they're having right now is superstars don't want to go out and go into the dunk contest, right? They don't want to do it. 
they're afraid of being embarrassed or whatever it may be. But that's it. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. If you if you let fans vote on who they wanted to see in the dunk contest, none of the top 25 right. are ever actually in the dunk contest. Yes. So that, that's part of it. The other thing I would say, I actually really like your idea for the dunk contest, but the, the one other thing I would say as far as changing the game, and you know, Brian Windhorst just rattled off the three things that Adam Silver really cared about for this season, right? The in-season tournament, the all-star game, and load management. Of those three, the only one I care that gets fixed is load management, and it seems like it kind of is getting a little bit better. I don't really care. I understand why Adam Silver does about the other two. But those don't bother me. But if you're trying to fix the All-Star game, I mean, hockey did this where they they cut it into three games. So it's the same amount of time, but it's like a a mini tournament and there's a financial incentive. And what you've seen in hockey, because they don't play defense in hockey either, is the first two games, there's no defense. And the score is always, I mean, it's a 20-minute game and the score is like 10 to 9. But then the last game with, I think it's a million dollars on the line, all of a sudden the score is two to one and three to two. So if you could do something, if you really think it's an issue in the NBA, do something like that where instead of two teams, you have four, they're smaller teams. You're only playing a 20 minute game, let's say, or even a 12 minute game if you're just going to go with the quarter and you're just, you know, two teams are going to play a second game, but it's only going to be 12 more minutes. You're basically getting the same amount of basketball, but there's a lot more incentive to it. Yeah. You know, the the last thing I want to say based on earnings, I want to congratulate uh, Ann Myers-Drysdale, Annie. Um, the fact that um, Annie was presented with a 2024 Kobe and Gigi Bryant WNBA Advocacy Award during the opening half. Did you happen to cool. see that right yeah. there? I thought that was super, super cool. Um, you know, continued contributions to the advancement of girls and women's basketball. And that's what Annie has done. She really is a a global figure when it comes to that. And I love the fact she was recognized. Yeah, I mean, the, they stuff like that is why you tune in, because there is a lot of stuff going yeah. on. But the actual game itself, yep. getting tougher and tougher to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, which position battles uh, is Jody Jackson watching this year in d spring training? We're going to ask the d broadcaster. She's going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Gamble. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. We're back to react to the first full squad workouts for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And tell you some guys we're keeping an eye on in camp, starting at 2 on Arizona Sports. Yeah, I think we're all ready for the first spring training game between the Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies on Friday at Salt River Fields. It has that, like, different feel, too, now, Wolf. When you just drive by Salt River Fields, even if you're not going there right now, it's like it's like 75 degrees now during the day. Like, it's, it has that baseball feel. Yeah, that's what being the NL champions <laughs> will do for oh, you. Oh, that's what it is. I'm just saying, the National League champions. Well, uh, Jody Jackson. Your Arizona Diamond. Jody broadcaster who's on the show quite a bit. I'm sure she's going to be on quite a Jody. bit this year. Jody Jackson's joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Jody, what's up? Hey, guys. Yeah, it's a baseball feeling already, not just the weather, but, man, out at Salt River yesterday for that first workout, there were a ton of fans, a ton of fans. Um, and that, that was great to see. I think it's going to really bring a lot of excitement even to the players to see that, you know, and feel that early in the season this year. 
Jody, have you come to process the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks are the National League champions? <laughs> I mean, doesn't it feel good to say that, Jody? It does, Wolf. I mean, and it and it it does. You kind of shake your head because look, we we knew these guys were talented, and we knew uh, they were poised to, you know, maybe make the postseason. But the run that they made to become National League champs really told us a lot about these guys. Not only the young guys, but the veteran guys as well. And uh, it is. It's just. It's awesome to see and. I everything that you've been hearing though from them is like this is just the beginning and all of the right things that you want to hear because you know no one's going to walk in and say yeah yeah we're, we we think we're just going to repeat we're going to you know we're going to knife through the NL again obviously no one's going to say that but you you sense that these guys are very hungry to get back and then they've added some veterans who you know like when you talk to Randall Grichik or, or Jock Peterson and Jock Peterson has a World Series crown and he's been there twice. But he, you know, he's here because he wants to win another one. Yeah. And uh, it's very valuable to have, to even add some guys that have some, some veteran experience, like Rodriguez with the pitching staff, and, and then um, a guy like Jock as well. We're talking to Jody Jackson. Jody, it was refreshing to see them invest in this team in the offseason. They had the success last year, but they spent money this offseason. There's a lot of good moves that they made. I tell you, one of the ones that really stands out, though, is bringing back Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and then you hear all of his teammates and Tori Lovello talk about how important that was uh, as well. What, what does he mean to this team now in year two? Yeah, Luke, it was so cool yesterday to see him back out there yesterday. I was watching the live BP going on, and he just brings so much fun energy. A lot, I mean, a lot of the guys do. Like, we've seen Corbin and Gabby Moreno, and but Lourdes just goofing around out there. But then also, you know, hitting the ball like he does so solidly. And, you know, to be honest, at the end of the season, the message he put out on Instagram and just kind of the vibe was, I wasn't sure if he was coming back. Yeah. And he seems like just such a big part of what happened here last year. Um, we we loved the offense, especially in the first half. The defense, I think, was surprising a little to many people, but it was terrific. So, you know, he is. I mean, this is this is a team that's going to rely on a lot of different guys. But it was great just to see him out there again yesterday. And um, I can't really imagine it without him. It, it would have felt a little bit different, like a little bit of a hole there without him and his personality, but I love that he's back this year. Yeah, it was really cool, Jody, because Luke and I were talking earlier in the broadcast here. We were talking about some of the position battles going into the spring here, and, you know, it felt great to talk about those position battles. Like, you know, your fifth your fifth starter in the rotation, your fifth outfielder, things of that nature, you know. What do you think are some of the big position battles going into the spring? starter is obviously a big one and that's not uncommon in spring training i mean going back to years ago covering spring um down with the marlins when they won the world series in 97 that was my first year covering baseball i mean you know that battle and and all the battles for the fifth starter it doesn't seem like a big deal during spring training and yet that person ends up being a pretty big part of it all so it does look to be Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson vying for that, although they have so many young arms that, you know, you get the sense that if they have to go into the depth, it's going to be just fine. But 
Um, I would say Tommy probably has a little advantage there just with, the, you know, a little bit more time in that position. He's pitched more games. Um, but I think this coaching staff, this pitching, um, this pitching group trusts either one of those guys. I think, you know, the bullpen, there really aren't a lot of things open there with the way that they finished the season. You look pretty good. You look pretty solid there. Um, what, what else is interesting is just the infield. Well, obviously, the outfield, you have questions, too, now that they've added a few guys. But in the infield, hearing that is going to be the everyday guy, that's not too surprising to me. But how they will shuffle uh, the infield will be interesting because you're talking about backing him up uh, as potentially Emmanuel Rivera, who really hasn't played shortstop. But um, if Jordan Lawler isn't going to get – a lot of playing time up here at this level. You really want him to continue developing in Reno. So um, that's not to say he's not in the mix, but, um, you know, you'd have to say Rivera is an interesting choice there. You've got uh, Gino Suarez now manning thirds. So you've got a regular mm-hmm. third baseman every day. In fact, he played literally every day last year. So you're not going to be shuffling that spot. But there are other candidates there like, uh, like Jace Peterson and Cattell Marte's name was out there and uh, a number of guys. So I think that that is all to be sorted out. We're talking to Jody Jackson. Yeah, Jody, you brought up maybe my biggest question with this team right now when you when you mentioned Jordan Lawler because you're so right. I mean, if they're not going to get him regular at bats, what's the point of having him just here watching games in April and May? It's different in October. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he's got the upside where he could force their hand and, and force them to to basically play him. Is there room for somebody like him or a Tommy Troy or whoever, just a, a young players that aren't pitchers to still break in on this team right now? You know, it is interesting, Luke, because you see the talent, but, you know, you want you want them to continue to develop, and they do have a lot of veteran guys on this roster. And, hey, this is a good problem to have, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you only hope you have the, the great fortune that, for the most part, they really did have good fortune last year with, you know, health. And But you never know, and it's a long season. So I have no doubt we will see – you know, Jordan Lawler at some point. Um, I'm just not sure it's going to be right out of the gate. And, you know, the young guys, I, they'll, I'm sure they're hearing patience is important right now because I know they all want to be part of this. And there were guys, if you look at the fact, with, look at the pitchers, for example. I mean, you bring in Eduardo Rodriguez, it, it moves everybody down, but now you've. So that's a no brainer. Um, that you do that, and the fact that they, they spent a, a good chunk of money on him, you feel really good about it. But, yeah, all those guys are going to be now vying for a, a spot or to be the next call-up, and that's a good thing to have that competition. But, you know, um, I, I think it's going to bring up the best in all these guys, but and especially Jordan Lawler. But the, he does bring a lot to the table, guys. You know that and what he can do, you know, in the field, at the plate, and then the speed. You know, he fits in perfectly with the speed uh, identity of this club as well. Jody, we appreciate the time Jody, as always. We're going to be talking to you all year. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Are you going to be out there soon? We can't wait to get you guys out there. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing by on Friday, but we're going to do the show out there next Tuesday. I believe I it's the 27th. Yeah. Bring, bring your sunscreen. Okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Jody. Thanks, Jody. All right. Take so, care, guys. That was Jody Jackson joining us there on the Arizona Sports Line. Yeah, so the big question, Wolf, that I have for you is yeah. are you going to face the field during the games or are you going to look away? You know how distracted I get, though. Yeah. No, you were, you were kind of right last year. There were moments where we were talking, and I'd be like, oh, wait, there's a game going on right here. <laughs> right. It's kind of weird. Um, all right. But I'm looking forward to it, man. It's oh, going to be that's great. Like a week from today, we're going to be out yep. there. Did you get your pass yet? No. Yeah, that's, uh, I was just testing you. I didn't yeah, get my either. Uh, all right. When we come back, most people... 
believe the Chicago Bears hold the key to the entire 20, uh, 2024 NFL draft. I would be one of those people if I knew how to speak. Um, we might be getting a little insight as to what they're doing soon. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Everybody, Dan Bickley here, and tomorrow is day two of Newsmakers. Do not miss a minute. The fun begins at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. Thanks to uh, Jody Jackson for joining us. You know who's going to join us later in the show, Wolf? Who? Christian Walker of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay, Christian Walker, one of my favorite dudes, man. Um, gets in the weight room. You can actually see it over the last few seasons. You can actually see Christian Walker. Um, I'm going to ask him what he, he's benching nowadays, okay? Can okay. I ask him that once again? I'm going to ask him, uh, what, what's your weight at, Seawalk? And what are you benching? Because I asked him the last time we had him on, last year, as a matter of fact, <laughs> what he was at right I wish now, we had so. a video montage of the reaction <laughs> right, of players exactly. when you ask him what their weight is at. Because some of them... Some of them just roll with it, like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't he be asking me this? This is this time of year, and then some of them are like, what? Yeah, but if you see walk, you can see it, man. The last three, four years, go back and look at pictures of him four years ago, and then look at him now. He's been in the weight room, man. Uh, we're gonna do more hardwood hardware too for the Suns at, uh, at the All Star break later on in the show. But right now, back to football, and if the idea is that the Bears control this draft. I don't know how you can really argue with that, honestly. I mean, they, they set the whole tone. They're either going to take Caleb Williams number one overall or they're going to trade that pick and they're going to stick with Justin Fields. And once they do that, then we're off. Then the draft starts, Wolf. Um, there is a report. It's actually via Albert Breer over the weekend that the Bears don't have a plan at quarterback yet, but they plan to have a plan by next week. Okay, they plan to have a plan by next week. That sounds a little fishy to me right now, right? Once again, you know this about me. It's like I having am a, the grassy you know. It's like having a meeting to have a meeting. <laughs> hey, let's meet today. Let's meet today at two uh, thirty about how we're going to meet on Thursday. Yes, you know I I don't stand on the grassy knoll. I am the grassy knoll base Arizonians, and it's interesting because. Um, they better come up with a plan, and they better come up with a plan um, shortly. And I think that they probably already have that plan. Did you also see the reports that are out today about Justin Fields and his social media account? I, I did. Did see you see that? that? He has unfollowed the Bears. He has unfollowed the Bears. The bears. bears. <laughs> Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah, I mean, have we seen this before? Have we seen this before? <laughs> we have. With whom, might I ask? Josh Rosen, yeah. Kyler. Yeah. Kyler. Yeah. Kyler. That's Kyler. Yeah, that was bad. It's unfollowing time. It's that, yeah, it's unfollowing time. It's unfollow February. Do you think this just happened to, oh, man. I just, you know, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> that is my favorite when, when somebody's like, well, I was just scrolling through and I accidentally unfollowed the Bears. Like, well, you're the quarterback of the Bears, so... If that were to happen, wouldn't you go ahead and follow them right back? Yeah, you like, can't oh, I, say the Bears without saying the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Um, yeah, so that's, that's look. So guess what? It's not Justin Fields' call, but you feel like he probably, I don't think we're like making ridiculous leaps here. <laughs> you feel like he's probably caught wind of something. Like, oh, okay, maybe they're, well, I'm just going to, like if you're Justin Fields and right. you really want to stay in Chicago and it, they really are like, yeah, we're kind of torn, 
Not that you unfollowing them is, is going to make them be like, that's it, we want Caleb Williams. But why would you do it? You know what I mean? That This sounds more like, hey, I'm kind of here and they're going to move on from me and I'm going to be in Pittsburgh next year or whatever, so I'm just going to unfollow them. Yeah. Once again, I'm wondering what the brass around the big rectangle for the Chicago Bears are doing. I'm wondering what they're doing right Probably now. Probably looking at their phones right now like, he unfollowed us. These guys are masterminds. They sit around, and all they do is talk about their strategy and what it is they're going to do. They know something's going to happen right now. Um, Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen, okay, here, the conspiratorialist that I am right well, now? Well, he kind of set you up for this now. It, yes, he did, but is it possible right now that the Chicago Bears, they totally are going to keep Justin Fields. They are going to keep They just haven't told him that yet. Because they don't want that word getting out there because they're going to mortgage. They're going to sell that number one pick for everything they can possibly get. This needs to be a new segment on the show where we try to one-up each other's conspiracy, because I can go one step further. What would it be? What if this goes all the way to Justin Fields, and they went to him and said, you're the guy. Unfollow us. We want that price for Caleb Williams to go That's up. That's even better. That's <laughs> even better right there. I, I just honestly, these guys, this is what they do. They sit around and how can we possibly leverage the number one pick overall? How can we do that and get maximum amount of return for the number one pick? Hey, hey, Justin. <laughs> What do you say you go ahead and you unfollow us, hey, okay? If we post anything important, we'll just tell you. Now look you don't at, have to follow right. us. Right, and what if you send out some disparaging remarks, <laughs> not this week, but next week, okay? And now look, we'll send you the remarks. Yeah, they okay, can't, don't you got to be careful with the remarks. <laughs> we'll send. Oh, that Matt we'll Eberflus is a horrible coach. I hope he gets fired. Like, Justin, you went too far. <laughs> That's right. Right, don't you. We'll send you. And, you know, honestly, I believe this stuff happens man well the key to the disparaging remark is it's just got to be a vague emoji just put a vague emoji out there like hey why did justin fields tweet out a picture of uh of, of, a, of an hourglass like lebron or why did he oh you know it'd be what would be great what emoji would you use I mean, what, what, what could you, you know? do for Steelers? i don't know like what how about that... the circle with the line through it you know oh, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so, what do they call that yeah, Rick, you know this sign. stuff what is that? That'd be it's great. Just a big, you know. Just tweet that out there. Line through the circle thing. And, and then and then like a bear next to it, a bear emoji next to it, or not even. Just, just the line right through the circle. Right over it. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. that. Well, yeah, right. You're One right day. about that. Maybe the bear first. Yeah. And then the, and then the, the, the circle the with the line. Thing. Yes. And then just, <laughs> the and then don't say anything. Thing. And then, and then it, all the headlines in Chicago would be like, it would, it would be a mix of, does Justin Fields hate the Bears, or does he need to call Ghostbusters? Yes. That's what it would be. What is Justin Fields saying right now? And maybe all of a sudden, okay, I think, I think you all know what that means out there. You want the number one pick? <laughs> Those three number ones just turned into four. Yeah. Our quarterback's not going to be here. There's nothing you could give us to pry Caleb Williams away from us. Yes. Now, the other side to this is maybe they're just going to take Caleb Williams and Justin Fields has figured that out. And he's like, screw these guys. I'm not following them anymore. 
Because you could just mute them if you yeah. don't want to see the posts about like buying tickets or something. You can just mute people. You don't have to block them. So you think right there, the, the other possibility is the fact that Chicago Bears have, have talked and they know what they're going to do. They're going to go ahead and take Caleb Williams. That's what they're going to do. I, you, you honestly think? I think that's a possibility. Oh, my goodness. That's definitely a possibility. That right there, that, that, the possibility of that. How? Why would a Chicago, why would anybody um, entrust scouts or any lower-level administrators, executives, with that kind of information? See, like, immediately, I think there are two people, maybe three, that actually know the truth in regard to Justin Fields and what the Chicago Bears are going to All right, do. who are they? It's got to be the general manager. Okay. Got to be the head coach. Okay. Got to be the owner. Okay. Now, Three people. Do you buy this report that they don't know yet and that they're going to decide by next week? No, they know. Okay. I don't buy I that I think you kind of have to know. You just, come on. This isn't who are we going to take at, with the 65th pick in the draft. This is... Are we going to take Caleb Williams and make him our franchise quarterback, or is Justin Fields our guy? Like you got to kind of know that by yes. now. Yes, yeah, you have to. You have to know that. I would imagine. And right now, the the fact that the Chicago Bears might might go ahead and sell that number one pick as well, if the price is right. Anyone moving into that spot, they're there to take Caleb Williams. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So once again, that doesn't necessarily hurt the Arizona Cardinals. No, the only thing that hurts the Cardinals is if New England moves into that spot or Washington and the Bears move down one spot. Okay, now I got a problem. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one issue. So Chicago, do whatever you're going to do, but either stay at one or get out of the top three. That's That would be my advice. Maybe the owner just showed up the other day in a Caleb Williams USC jersey and Justin Fields was like, unfollow. Maybe that's what finally pushed him over the top. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.